there that is just wonderful and that you love and that, that family. And just thanks for your love for us. Thanks for your word that you give us to share with us, to, to help us to be more and more like your son. And we pray, God, as we look in your word this morning, your Holy Spirit would just speak to us and teach us, convict us all the things that we need to hear. In Christ's name, amen. Um, well, I don't know why, I just, I have to share this for some reason. Yesterday, you know, we I like to do something Christmassy, despite everything that I said about Christmas last week. Um, I do like to do something festive to some degree um, during the, and a lot, of, a lot of times that has to do with going into the city or things like that. So yesterday, my wife and I and one of my sons who's in town this week, we went into, we did the whole uh, going to Union Square with 65,000 of our closest friends. Okay, we just... <laughs> You know, so we, you know, walked and the music's playing. It was nice and cool and crisp. I love that. I love the, the lights and all that stuff. We went and we uh, put our name into the Cheesecake Factory and an hour and a half later we got our seat and, um, but we walked around. But the weirdest thing happened to us coming out of, we got dinner, we came out of the Cheesecake Factory. We're going down, if you've ever been to the, in Macy's before in Union Square, you know, you got to go out L escalator, escalator, escalator. And so we're going down and all of a sudden we're like the second to the last escalator thing down and all of a these people just in normal clothes, excuse me, excuse me, wait, get out of the way, out of the way. And they're just running through. We gotta, and so we're going, what in the world is happening? And we get down to the bottom and we look and there are people plastered against the window with bags of clothes flung all over the place. They had, these were the plain clothes security people that had caught shoplifters coming out of Macy. I've never seen that before. It was just, it was just so wild to see. I mean, that, that, it, like, it was like the Red Sea, all the people parted. And all, and, all, and all you saw were these plain clothes security people just, and they just whisked them, and it was over. And then back to business. Everybody's, it was just the weirdest thing. And it really made me think, what a dichotomy of the things, of, think about Christmas. And here we are just celebrating and enjoying. And then someone just got arrested. And for, I think, man, it's just like, it's just like, this is the world we live in, huh? This is, and this is our lives kind of too. Our lives just like one day they're like going along and the other day like, well, that is crazy. That's really crazy. So I, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to share that with you guys because it really hit me, the, just the different parts. Because we just think of, oh, Christmas, it's all great. But we also know that during this time, a lot of difficult stuff surfaces as well. I know for me, most of you know that I've struggled with depression and anxiety pretty severely most of my life. But back in the day, it used to be depression. Every time, for some reason, December would come, I just went just deep into it as a pastor, just deep in depression, had to muddle through that. And so a lot of times it was hard for me to figure out how to make it through that with just uh, not painting on a smile, but to really let God work in my life in the midst of all that. So and what would happen to me in part of that tomb, I would have to think about things of that, that made me think about who God was. But during this time, I know what a lot of people do is they think about words that describe from their Christmas. Like I got, I know many words people use to describe Christmas are joy and Mary and holy and Santa and things like that. Give me some other words describe Christmas to you, because that's what I, when I was feeling down, I had to get some words that would, things that would help me, that would get me in the, in the right frame of mind, which we're going to be looking at, the right frame of mind. What are some other words that people use to describe Christmas? Hope, Hope good. Peace, good. Prince of Peace. What else? What else comes to your mind when you think of elves? elves? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Elves. Mary. Mary. Mary as in Mary or in Mary? 
Yeah, okay, great. Jesus' birth, excellent, yes. Yeah, we think of all sorts of words, but one of those words that was mentioned, I just want to spend a little bit of time. We're, gonna, we're not going to be in, we're taking a week off of uh, speak, being in Matthew. We're going to be in, we'll be back in Matthew next week. But we're just going to spend a little bit of time talking this morning about one of the words that I believe that not only do we need to hear, but we really need to experience, and not just experience during the Christmas season, but really we need to experience this word throughout the entire year. It's the word hope. The word hope. This is very important because now the thing is, when most people think of the word hope, usually they think of it, or we even think of it more of kind of a, a wishful thinking, don't we? Like, I, I sure hope that I make it to the airport on time, or I sure hope that I don't catch that flu bug that's going around. We're just like, oh, we just hope that doesn't happen. So we think of it more in wishful thinking. Yet the Bible really defines hope very differently than that. Okay? Now, we've done it again this week, and this is a new habit we're starting. If you want to, there's little pieces of paper in front of you, and if there's not enough for you in your row, just hold up your hand. Lee's got some others. There should be enough for you to pen, all that stuff. Do you, we're going to start kind of do, I think we're going to do this for a while, because last week I got a lot of positive feedback that you liked having the, the, little, the little notes. So that's great. So we're going to be doing that. So if anybody needs any, you need a pen or whatever, just raise your hand. Lee will get that to you. Um, so we're going to start right off, right off the bat. The first one there, the Bible defines it differently. The Bible defines hope as confident expectation. That's your first one there. The Bible describes hope as confident expectation. Now we're going to drill down to this a little bit, okay? And I know that kids are with us this morning, so kids, feel free to draw on that. Even if, and if kids yak and whatever, just let it happen, okay? Let's not, let's not worry about anything this morning. Let's just uh, enjoy God's word this morning. So confident expectation. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 says this, now faith is the essence of things hoped for, the conviction, conviction of things not seen. So hope is really, it's this confident expectation that what we hope for, even though we can't see it, even though we have no idea how it's going to work out, it's going to happen. Okay. That's what confident expectation is. That's what biblical hope is. True hope, says John Piper, says, is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. And how many of us don't want that, right? A confident hope is something good in the future. Let me, I want to ask you a question. When you look at the future, when you look at what's coming, either tonight, tomorrow, or even in the long-term future, do you have a sense of confident expectation that what you're hoping for will happen? Think about that. Are you, confident, are you confidently expecting that what I'm hoping for, that is going to happen? Because here's the truth. The truth is for the follower of Jesus we can be 100% confident that everything that God has promised that is ultimately for our good, for his glory, and according to his will, will happen. If he's promised it, it is going to happen. Even if we're freaking out, I have no idea that's going to happen. Actually, it looks like the opposite is going to happen. If it's for our good, if it's for according to his will, and it's for his glory, it is going to happen, okay? This is the hope that God offers. 
This is, this is the real hope. Now, some of you are thinking, wait a second, Rob, there's a lot of things that I'm hoping that'll happen. But remember, it's got to be something that is in part of God's will. It's got to be something that is for our good and for his glory. And a lot of times, our, our idea of what that is and his are completely different, right? But his promises never fail. They always come about. So I want to take just a few minutes to take a, look, look, a closer look at hope, okay? And we're going to look at four truths, okay? Four truths from Scripture concerning the hope that God offers, okay? This confident expectation, all right? So the first one, let's look at the first one. The first, the first truth concerning the hope that God offers is that it is never ending, okay? It is never ending ending. Okay, in the book of Lamentations, which I know you probably, most of you read this morning before you came here. Uh, <laughs> Lamentations is a book that we believe that was written by the prophet Jeremiah. And really what it is, we have this, when you read, when you read Lamentations, you see this, this deep, emotionally distressing writings of this man who really has witnessed incredible loss and suffering as a result of Jerusalem being attacked and taken over and destroyed and, and the, many people taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Like six, this is like something like 600 years-ish before Jesus was born. So he's just, he's, his, he has witnessed all this, these atrocities and, and just horrible things that have happened. Uh, and yet what's interesting about Lamentations, I mean, what, is, what do you think of when you hear the word lamentation? Yeah, it's lament. It's him lamenting. It's him pouring out this, this angst to God. Even the, here's the interesting thing about Jeremiah. Even in the midst of this hopeless situation, as he's, as he's thinking through, we, we get a great picture into his mind, as he's thinking through all that he has just seen, all the atrocities that he has just witnessed, he still finds hope as he makes this conscious effort to decide, here's what I'm going to focus my mind on. Do you ever find yourself in that kind of situation where you're battling what to focus your mind on and because your mind wants to go in a place that's not good? You, your mind wants to go to a dark place? I don't know. I've been there before. You know when that happens to me is when I wake up at 2 in the morning. That's when it's tough, right? That's when it's really hard. And he could have easily gone that. He could have just gone, God, it's all terrible. Everything is wrong. Everybody's been destroyed. People have been killed. People are starving. It's terrible. But look what happens to him. He, de he decides to let his mind focus on something. And look at what it says. It says in chapter 3, it says this. But this I call to mind. Okay, this is what I'm going to focus my mind on. And therefore, this is where I find hope because I'm in a hopeless situation. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. <laughs> Do you realize what he had, what's going on here? He had just witnessed horrible atrocities. And look what he's saying. Look what he's deciding to put his hope in. Even in the midst of all that destruction and despair, Jeremiah chooses to focus not on his immediate circumstances, not on what's going on around him. He chooses to remember the truth about God. He says, I'm going to remember who God is. I'm going to remember that he's been faithful. I'm going to remember that he is always faithful. That his faithfulness, the third one there, his faithfulness 
is, is, that his faithful, ten, I'm sorry, his faithful, tender, and affectionate love, I'm still getting used to the fill in the blanks, his faithful, tender, and affectionate love for his people is never ending. That's the third one there. It's never ending. Did I make sure you got the second, what the second one was? Oh yeah, never ending. Okay? It's tender and affectionate love for his people is never ending. No matter what's going on, no matter the circumstances, no matter how difficult things, even if we're reaping the results of our own mistakes, even if what's going on in our life, because we blew it, we were selfish, we were acting sinful, we were whatever. Even when that happens in the midst of our own rebellion, because you got to understand, that's why Israel had been taken over. That's why Jerusalem was destroyed, because their own rebellion. God allowed that to happen because they're owner. So even when that's happening, we can have this confident expectation of his tender love and compassion towards us that will never end, ever. It won't stop. And a very familiar verse to most of you here, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah again, to, and he's speaking to the, those that are in exile, the Jewish exiles in Babylon. God tells them to say this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Many of you didn't have this verse memorized, right? The plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a what? Hope. Can you imagine them hearing this? They're probably going, Jeremiah, are you crazy? Do you understand? We're, we're slaves. You know, no, you can have hope. Think about who I am. Now, although this was written specifically to the Jews that were in exile in the 6th century BC, this passage, what it does, it reflects the principle of God's grace and affection for those who he loves. That includes you and I. If you're a follower of Christ, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that his affectionate love for you will never end, no matter what happens. It will always be there. He promises to always be faithful to wholeheartedly love us. That's who he is. That's where we can put our hope. Okay, second truth. Second truth concerning the hope God offers is that it's a strong enough to carry us through the most difficult times in life. The hope of God, what it offers us, it's a strong enough to carry us through the most difficult times in life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans. He says this, the church in Rome, he says, we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God lo God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. What Paul's saying here, what he, hey guys, Okay, what Paul saying? What Paul is saying here that found hope is found ultimately in our ultimate future glory. That's where our ultimate hope is. It's found in where we're going to go. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be with God. But he says, yet until then, until that time, we this is where we can find hope in the sufferings and the difficulties of our lives. We can find hope in those things, knowing that they're not meaningless, that they're not random. You guys, we can, the st stuff that we go through that's really hard, 
Never should we as followers of Christ think this is pointless, this is stupid, this has nothing, this will, have no, this will play out in no way good for my life. That's not, what, that's not what God says. Suffering and life's difficulties remind us, here it is, this is number five, of how weak and frail that we are and how much we need God's help. That's how we need to see our suffering. That's how we need to see the difficulties in life. Not to go, oh my gosh, what's wrong? We need to see him as, oh my gosh, I need God bad. I can't do this without him. That's where our mind, just like Jeremiah's went to, went to th- the faithfulness of God, remembering God, we need to go to that place as well. We can, we, the how depend, the how dependent we are on his strength. And as we learn to rely on his strength and not our own, we in turn grow in what he says here is perseverance and our ability to be able to bear up under life's difficulties. That's why there's not meaningless. That's not why the hard, that's why the hard times we go through, they're not meaningless. They're teaching us how to bear up. They're teaching us how to persevere, how to be stronger, to grow in our perseverance. And what he says here is as we grow in perseverance, we grow in our character. You want to know how you grow in your character? I'll tell you one of the best ways to do it. Not to read the greatest self-help book, but one way to grow in your character is when life is hard. How do you deal with when life is hard? Not that you go, I can handle this. It's all good. Everything's good. No, not at all. Live in the reality of that difficulty, but see that, you know what? This is not meaningless. I know this is not my loneliness, my difficulty, this breakup, this, this busted marriage, this all this stuff. This isn't pointless. And I'm not going to allow it to be pointless. I'm going to trust that even though I have no clue how this is going to turn out, and although it looks like it's going to turn out for the worst and make me a worse person, we can know that God has other plans for us. Because he loves us. Because we grow, and that's what causes us, our character to grow. What it means is we go from simply this theoretical faith that so many of us have to a real and concrete faith that results in hope. And it's this hope that's anchored in the knowledge of God's never-ending love for us. That no matter what we're going through, God will use it to shape us and to help us to be more like his son. That's hope. We can know that in the midst of it, we're not thinking, I know we're like, ah, this is so hard. But we need to remind ourselves where our mind needs to go. And we need to be around people that will help us remind us where to go. Not the people that will help us, that will throw hot coals onto our pity party fire and, you know, make it get higher and higher and higher. Yeah, that sucks. That person's terrible. You're right. You should be angry. How does that help? It doesn't. We need people in our life that's going to tell you, not, not give us this pithy, oh, don't worry, God, you know, is in control, just, you know, no. But say, wow, this is so hard. This, I can't imagine how hard this is. But you know what? Let's, let's, let's remind ourselves that God love, God's love is for you. is amazing. And I'm going to walk through this with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to remind you because I'm trying to learn it myself. Is that the kind of community we want to be involved in? I know I need to be around those kind of people. All right. Third thing, third truth concerning the hope God offers is that the, it's the ultimate source of true joy and peace. The hope that God offers is the ultimate source of true joy and peace. Once again, to the church in Rome, the apostle Paul wrote this. 
He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You see, we see here, and this is, you're gonna, this, is, this is the verse kind of that hit me the most in all this. We see here that uh, with the hope, which is the, God is the source of hope, the result of hope is true joy and peace. And for our part, what we're asked to do is believe. We need to believe, okay? We choose to believe that God is who he says he is and can be trusted with area, every area of our life and with our future. When we go there, instead of what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, when we go, okay, I'm going to trust that you're concerned about everything. I was going to share a personal story, but it's too personal about a family member of mine that's really going through a difficult time. All I can see is hopelessness. Hopelessness. My wife and I, when we pray, before we go to bed at night, we pray that God, the God of hope, will give us hope, but also will give this person hope as well because of who God is, not because of what might work out or how it might look, but we know who God is and we know God's character and that he cares. We must, when we do that, we need to allow that belief to transform our, our hearts and transforms our thoughts. You see, hope is brought to life by, number seven, believing. Hope is brought, we don't just hope, oh, I hope, I hope. No, we have, to, we have a part of the play in hope. The part we have to play in God, in understanding God, the hope that God has for us is by believing, by expecting that something will happen because we know it is true, because we know it's true. Here's an example. Um, I expect that because he's done it Pretty much every time that I see him, that when I either go visit my grandson, my four-and-a-half-year-old grandson, or he comes to visit me, I can pretty much count on the fact that he will be absolutely thrilled. Absolutely thrilled to see me. And why? Why is that? Because I want that? Of course I want that. But it's because I know it. He does it every single time. Because I know that he absolutely, and this isn't anything about me, I don't know why, he adores me. I mean, he, this little guy, adore, for some reason, I mean, my wife could be right there. Who treats him even better probably than I do? But he's all about me, okay? I know that. So believing this, I know that my grandson Alden, he loves me and he's thrilled to see me. And believing this fills me with tremendous joy and gives me this confident expectation of being adored by him every time I see him. You see how that works? I know that if I go over to his house tonight and we say, hey, let's go to Bethlehem AD again. Let's go, let's go check things out. I got a friend who's a potter over there. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I know that, I don't even have to mention that where we're going to go. He, he calls, whenever him and I go out together, he calls it a, I'm Opa. He calls me, are we going to have an Opa date? Are we going to have an Opa date? So he would see it as, I know he'll be thrilled. So see, you see how that works in me? I, the, I'm already... <gasps> With joy, because I know that's true. That's what God, in a sense, in somewhat same way, as I, as I learn to expect God, and we learn to expect God to unconditionally love us because of what we know about him, we experience hope. 
knowing that he has a plan for us. That is what fills me with joy and peace. Does that make sense? It's all focused back on him and who he is and what we know about him. In his book, Hope as a Way of Life, which is coming out in a few weeks, a a friend of mine, he, he writes this. He says, as we place our confidence in the God of hope and actively anticipate what he has in store, he fills us with joy. Now, he's not saying, I know what's coming. I know life's going to be so much easier in a little while. No, I know God is faithful. I know God loves me. I know he has a plan for me. I can look with joy, even in my circumstances that seem so terrible right now or so difficult. Think of my friends back in the back room here are possibly leaving us and moving away. And I think how hard that is for me, I know. But we can know that if God is in this, if God is truly in all this, if God, if we are trusting God for everything, we can know that God has a plan. We can look at these situations that are hard with joy. We can. We truly can. All right. Fourth one. We'll wrap it up here. Fourth truth concerning the hope God offers is that it's ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The hope that God offers us is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, we know being born again, that means that we have been given this new birth. You know, Peter got this whole concept from Jesus when he told Nicodemus that you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. It's this spiritual rebirth that no one can achieve on their own. We can't do it on our own. We can't earn it. We see it's a gift by God's great mercy. And I love how uh, we see this mercy explained. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says this, where he says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. It's God because of his mercy, his mercy who chooses to have give us new life, this new birth. You see, for the follower of Jesus, our hope is based not on our circumstances, but on this last question there, last answer, but on a person, okay? Our hope is based not on our circumstances, but on a person. We are able to view our present circumstances in the light of the hope that this is a, that it's certain because our hope is not in the changing of our circumstances. Things will get so much better. I will have hope. I'll be happy when this just changes, when this just gets better, when that person gets better, when this, all that changes. And we go, that's where I'll, have, that's where I'll find hope and that's where I'll find joy. He's saying, no, our hope is to be found in one place. Where? In Jesus I don't know if you've been thinking what came to your mind when you just said that, but I know what came to my mind when we just said that. Um, the beginnings of that old hymn, On Christ a Solid Rock, I Stand. How does it say? What does it say? It's going to be up there in a second. My hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteous deathness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean, wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is... I know I can't sing. You can't say it without singing it. This is our hope. Let me ask you that question again as we close here. Let me ask you that question that I asked at the beginning here. When you look at your future, both the near and the distant future, do you have a sense of confident expectation that what you are hoping for will happen? Better yet, what do you look forward to with confident expectation because of what you believe to be true about God? What do you look forward to with confidence, this confident expectation because of what, not because of circumstances or the trajectory that that's on, but because you be, what you believe to be true about God. Especially, you guys, as we approach this Christmas day, may we remember, may we be reminded of the hope of our salvation and the incredible love that God offers us and to the whole world through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, which is where our hope is found. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth. Most of all, God, we thank you for hope. Thank you for the hope that we have that is found in Jesus. It's not found in money. It's not found even in health or the lack of difficulties. It is only found in Jesus. God, may we as your people be a people that strive to, to, to really work hard at remember, put our focus there, especially when things are going sideways. Maybe even now during these holidays that are stirring up possibly some, some difficult emotions, some difficult things. I pray, God, that you would help us to, to go to Jesus. Our mind would go to Jesus and the hope that's found in him that allows us to have this relationship with you, God, that we can experience this love that is never-ending, that you have a plan for us, that these difficulties are not pointless, that you so love us. Help that be the thing that causes us to run to you, to be in your word, to speak with you, to run to others that love you. God, we need you desperately. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.